Alrighty, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us. Welcome back to the Student Section Podcast, where we talk all things college sports. It's episode 8 of our show, absolutely flying through this. Friday, December 16th, 2022. And remember, folks, new episodes every single Friday. You can find us on Instagram at Student Section CFB, or you can go to our website, a lot of content over there, at thestudentsection.net. Always remember to subscribe to the show, share the show with your friends, rate it. We are now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all of your favorite platforms. So download the show, folks. You won't regret it. We have a good time here. Now, we have a lot to get into this week. Not as much as usual, but still going to be a busy episode. Obviously, last week saw us touch on a lot of the college football playoff and everything happening with that. We previewed the two big semifinal games. We talked about Georgia's defense, Ohio State's offense. We talked about the Michigan TCU game. But now that there's no more college football, aside from the preliminary bowl games, none of the good ones on quite yet, but I think we're going to dedicate this episode or a majority of this episode to talking some college basketball. I've been waiting to do it on the show, and I think the time is right now because we have some big games in the next couple days. This whole week is just full of marquee matchups as teams wrap up their out-of-conference schedule before the holidays. So we're going to get into all that. Stay tuned, folks, and let's have a good episode. All right, so we had ourselves a week in college basketball, folks. I mean, the sport, the rankings completely just turned on their heads. I mean, we had the number one team go down. We'll get into that in a minute. We had big-time coaches getting arrested, suspended. I mean, and by big-time coaches, I mean big-time coach. But, I mean, crazy week in college basketball. And we wrote about this on the blog a little bit, how nobody's really sure if we have a concrete number one team in the country right now. So, I want to take the time now to kind of discuss the teams that might deserve that nod, what I like about them, what I don't, and we're going to start off here with number one Alabama, or number four Alabama rather, who made a huge jump in the latest AP poll all the way up to number four after becoming just the second team in the past century to knock off two top-ranked teams in, uh, before the new year starts. Just an incredible feat by NATO to the Tide. Obviously, they had that four-overtime thriller against UNC, and then they come into Houston to play the previously undefeated Cougars, number one team in the country, going down by as many as 15 in the second half, and for the whole second half, just completely outslugged Houston on their home court. It, it was great to watch. Awesome game. Action-packed. Good defense. Good offense. Some bonehead plays in there. If you watch the game, you know what we're talking about, but just an incredible game. And I want to get into Alabama, the numbers, and if I, it, you know, if I think this is a team that deserves that number one spot, whether or not this is a team built for March. So Alabama has kind of gained this reputation among college football fans and analysts alike as this wild card when the tournament comes around, when uh, champ week comes around in that whole section of the season, because really these past couple of years, you never know what you're going to get from them. And I think this year's Alabama team is really a step in the right direction when it comes to consistency, because boy, oh boy, have these guys been consistent, obviously 10 and one, their only loss coming to undefeated UConn, who we're going to talk about later in this episode as well as one of the best teams in the country. So Alabama has some real good wins on their schedule. I mean, you take a look. 
they obviously beat North Carolina. They beat South Dakota State, who was a tournament team last year. They beat Michigan State. They beat Liberty, who was a solid mid-major program. They beat Memphis, who's another solid program last night. Instant classic that game. The tight ended up winning by three. But they've got a solid, solid resume. And obviously, being in the SEC, the conference is an absolute gauntlet. They're going to have plenty of chances to improve on that resume. And this is a team that I could really see snagging a one seed when it's all said and done. They're top 15 in both offensive and defensive efficiency, and they have one of the best freshmen in the country, if not the best, I mean. Brandon Miller laid an absolute egg in the Houston game, obviously. Didn't shoot the ball well, missed a couple free throws. But nonetheless, he's still leading the team in points and rebounds. Pretty damn close to averaging a double-double as well with 18 and 8.5. So while Javon Quinterly kind of recovers from the injury, he's been a bit inconsistent. I think Miller has filled that role seemingly perfectly. And then additionally, you've got Marcus Sears, who has stepped into a huge role with this team, shooting the ball exceptionally well. 45% overall and 43% from behind the arc. He had a couple big shots in the Houston game. And these guys have all kind of done their part to step up as Quinterly gets back to 100%. And boy, oh boy, when he does, this team is going to be a force to be reckoned with on the offensive end. They play at a tempo that's ranked 17th in college basketball per Ken Palm. Their average possession taking just 15.6 seconds. Just incredible. I mean, if you like fast-paced basketball, you like back and forth like we saw in that Houston game, this is the team that you want to watch. I mean, very rarely do you see a team drag Houston, who plays at one of the slowest, most defensive paces in the country, into an absolute track meet. And that's what you saw Alabama do. That's why that game was so damn entertaining. Just incredible. So Alabama is definitely a team that I could see Gang, um, grabbing that number one spot in the future, although they do have some turnover problems, turning the ball over on 21.5% of their offensive possessions. That's got to be fixed if you want to win in March. But like I said, long season ahead, and they've already pulled out some impressive wins despite that. So Alabama, a team to keep an eye on. Moving on now. So next up, we got another SEC powerhouse. We're talking about the Tennessee Volunteers. And it has been so, so special to watch this team rebound and really come together after that embarrassing loss at the hands of Colorado. I mean, this is a team where after seeing him in the tournament last season and seeing his strengths at the end of the year last year, people were expecting Santiago Vescovi to take that next step to superstar level, you know, NBA caliber level, and while he hasn't quite done that, much like Alabama, this entire team has stepped up in his place. They have five guys averaging in double figures, nobody averaging more than 11.5 points, but I mean, wow. Tennessee plays team basketball, and I think what's interesting about this squad is why you saw them win last year with their efficient three-point shooting, run-and-gun style offense. They have completely turned that on its head this year. Rick Barnes and company have built a defensive powerhouse. Number one in the nation in adjusted defensive efficiency. Number one in the nation in effective field goal percentage for their opponents. Number one in the nation in three-point percentage for their opponents. Their opponents shooting just 20 
percent from beyond the arc and turning the ball over on 27 percent of their possessions that number is good for fourth in the country tennessee has completely flip-flopped and built themselves a defensive powerhouse and they've allowed no more than 53 points in eight of their nine games absolutely nuts these defensive numbers and I, I like talking about Tennessee because very rarely do you see a team do a complete 180 kind of tendency and style wise like they did but now that they're playing the way they're playing if they can keep this up all year this is the kind of basketball that wins out in March I know they had that I mean they could have lost that game against Maryland their offense really struggled in that one but they've got plenty of time to find their shooting stroke. I mean, they've proven that they have that shooting stroke last year, shot the lights out towards the end of the season, but now I think they're finding that second half of their game. They've become a much more complete team this year, and they've got some very impressive wins on the schedule, much like Alabama. They've beaten Kansas. They just beat Maryland, pulled out impressive wins over Butler and USC. This team is a team that is built for the postseason if they can find a way to shore things up on the offensive end. But I like the direction that Tennessee basketball is headed. Let's move on to our next team. And there is no team I enjoy talking about more than these UConn Huskies, folks. Let me tell you, because as I said with Tennessee, this team is the embodiment of Team basketball they've got five guys averaging in double figures much like Tennessee Sonogo leading the way with 18.3 points a game but I gotta tell you about a kid named Donovan Klingon we'll get to him in a minute first I want to touch on what UConn's been able to do this year Dan Hurley and the squad top five in offensive and defensive efficiency 57 and a half effective field goal percentage they are top 10 in just about every important statistic and one thing I want to point out is the fact that they're assisting on over 65% of their made field goals this team embodies team basketball like I said the five guys in double figures and Calcaterra is right there averaging 9.2 Johnson with seven points a game as well this team shares the love so well I mean you look at their assist numbers Jack, uh, uh, Jackson Jr. is averaging 4.6 assists Newton 4.4 assists This team has so many facilitators on offense, and I think as this year kind of develops, not only are you going to have Sonogo, uh, Adama Sonogo developing as your primary scorer, but Donovan Klingon could be the next step to that one-two punch down low, and I think you're already starting to see it with the week he just had against Florida and FIU. I mean, first game, 17 or 16 points and eight rebounds, easy 20-point win. Next game, 21-11, his second collegiate double-double against LIU. But the most impressive part about these two games is he shot a combined 18 of 19 from the field, 94%. Insane numbers for a kid who is averaging just 15 minutes a game coming off the bench. He ranks top 10 nationally in off, uh, effective field goal percentage while only playing at 37% of possible minutes. Donovan Klingon is the next big star for this UConn team, and I don't think it's a matter of if he blows up 
I truly believe it's a matter of when with this kid. I mean, his rebounding numbers are there. UConn grabbing offensive rebounds at a rate better than nearly every team in the country. They're in the top 20. Defensively, they're in the top 15. Sonogo and Klingon are going to be the next big duo down low. And if UConn can keep their guards facilitating this brilliant offense, they are going to go a long way in March. I love this team, and I love to talk about them. Let's move on now. All right, we're really going to slow the pace down on you now because no team in college basketball plays at a slower pace than the Virginia Cavaliers. This team, we kind of just went over a couple of teams that will really run you up and down the floor, get you into a track meet, and then there's little old Virginia, Tony Bennett and Virginia, who play at a pace ranked 361st in the country. This team is built on one thing. They're built on defense, and it shows in the numbers. I mean, Virginia will slow you down tremendously, and that is what makes them so, so effective come tournament time. Another thing about these Cavaliers, they are built on senior leadership. I mean, you look at guys like Kehei Clark, Jaden Gardner, Armand Franklin. All of their best players are of the senior variety. And the general rule of thumb is that senior leadership is going to win out down the line as we get into the nitty-gritty of the season. And the development of Clark and Gardner has really been something that's caught my eye this year. Kehe Clark is becoming such a versatile, kind of shifty little guard at 5'10". There's a lot of things that you don't expect him to do, and he is somehow able with that I don't want to say smaller frame, but smaller frame to get into the teeth of the defense with hesitation, with dribble drive. They run a lot of pick and roll, and he's also averaging five assists a game too, facilitating this offense. Not far behind him, however, is the junior Reese Beekman with 4.6 assists, who has been a welcome, welcome addition to this backcourt. Didn't play much in previous years now, averaging 10 a game. Averaging four assists, getting a steal and a half, and shooting a very efficient 47% from behind the arc. Beekman is really, I don't want to say the missing piece, but I don't know where this team would be without his volume shooting ability because a lot of guys on this UConn team struggling from behind the arc aside from Clark and Beekman. He has been a welcome, welcome addition to this offense that is slowly, like I said, becoming a lot more versatile. And if they can, I mean, you look at their you look at their game results, if they can score over 55, 60 points a game, <laughs> chances are they're going to beat you. That's how this team plays. I mean, you look at their games against Baylor, Illinois, uh, Michigan. They held those teams down. Florida State's another one. So the Cavaliers at 8-0, they're winning. They're winning with defense, and you know what they say, defense wins championships, and they have a big game coming up against Houston. That game might be in the 30s, that final score, but I'm excited to watch it nonetheless. Let's move on to another team. All right, you knew we were going to talk about them eventually. We're going to talk about the big, bad Purdue Boilermakers, the number one team in college basketball right now. And this team is so fun to watch because of one man, and he is one mountain of a man. It's the 7-4 sensation Zach Eady, the Toronto Canada product, averaging 22, 13, and two blocks a game this season. If he's not your national player of the year at this point in the season, I really don't know what you're thinking because this kid has done it all. He has taken that next step and become a superstar in college basketball. 
Purdue ranks second nationally in offensive efficiency. Edie's a big reason why they rank top 10 in offensive rebound percentage, and they average blocks on 10% of their defensive possessions. Doesn't seem like a lot, but that is a whopping, whopping number when you really think about it. Edie's got this team playing at an elite level, and the crazy thing about him is he's only done it by playing three quarters of possible minutes for this team. He is the most efficient player in college basketball. I mean, him and Donovan Klingon are right there in terms of efficiency. The guy shoots 71% from the field. Like I said, the three blocks and a steal per game. Just defense, offense, whatever you need him to do, he has been that guy. He's come up clutch on both ends of the floor. And to me, that's what makes a national player of the year. Now, not to be forgotten on this team, Fletcher Lawyer, the freshman guard who has really, really come into his own as of late. 22 points in that overtime win over Nebraska. Had a couple boards, a couple assists. He is really starting to come into his own as the ball distributor, as a primary scorer. He's turning into that kind of do-it-all two-guard I don't want to say like a Chris Paul type because he could score the basketball very well, but he has really matured this year faster than many people think. You've also got Braden Smith in that backcourt, another freshman who has kind of taken on that Swiss Army Knife role as well. Nine points, five rebounds, and three assists for him while shooting a very efficient 42%. It'll be interesting to see if Purdue can keep this up. I don't see any reason they shouldn't, but this is college basketball. And with this crazy stretch of games coming up, I don't know who's going to be number one seven days from now. Because let me tell you, folks, we got some games coming up and we're going to talk about those now. Let's do it. All right. So big games in college basketball this week. Let's jump right into it. Indiana at Kansas. Number 14, Indiana at number eight, Kansas. All these games we're going to talk about are on Saturday, by the way. Indiana is really a team that over the past couple weeks, maybe a week or two, has not looked as dominant as they should. I mean, preseason, Big Ten favorites, and obviously they've got Trace Jackson Davis, one of the most efficient players in the country. But to me, I'm pointing the finger at that backcourt. Xavier Johnson has done well, but they really need another guy to step up back there. A legitimate two-guard. Indiana kind of lacks shooting. I mean, you look at their three-point percentages outside of guys like Miller Cop. They have not been good behind the arc. They need that primary shooter, and they need to develop them fast if they want to kind of continue as this offensive powerhouse that they were regarded as in the beginning of the season. Now, talking about Kansas, this is a team that everyone kind of forgot about after they lost to Tennessee. I mean, I've heard nothing about Kansas lately, but they have put together some really impressive performances in big games against Seton Hall and Missouri. Knocking off undefeated Missouri in convincing fashion, that game was electric, and I really do think that Kansas has one of the best players in the country in Jalen Wilson, averaging 22 and 10. I mean, this kid's going to be a star at the next level. I'm excited to see what he does next. I got Kansas in this game. Going to be hard to beat that home court advantage with the fog at Allen Fieldhouse. Moving on, Alabama with another big test at number 15, Gonzaga, going to the kennel on CBS at 1 o'clock. And Alabama 
is red hot right now. And for Gonzaga, this is a team where there is some serious trouble in paradise. Gonzaga has not looked like the Gonzaga of old. I mean, they played that thriller against Baylor where neither team really shot all that well. But in a lot of their big games, they have not looked that competitive, specifically against Purdue. And you could point the finger at a lot of things with this team, but I think the fact that they no longer have a dominant inside presence to couple with Drew Timmy down low, I mean, they brought in guys like Efton Reed to try to supplement that, the 7'2", the 240 center. But they haven't really gotten the second half of that one-two punch down low, and I think that's where they've really struggled. Give me Alabama to continue their red-hot run in this game. And here's a controversial pick coming up. Number five, Houston, and number two, Virginia at 2 o'clock on ESPN2. Give me the Cavaliers. Like I said, this game is going to be dominated by defense, incredibly slow-paced. I don't think anybody's going to come out and shoot the lights out. But... I like the Cavaliers to hand Houston their second consecutive loss. I think they're just a bit more athletic than the Cougars. Although, with that being said, Houston is wildly inconsistent, and you never know which version of that team is going to show up. I mean, Marcus Sasser could decide to join the party and steal that game for them. He's been somewhat invisible this year, but I'm going to go with Virginia. Now, last game I want to talk about. Because, to me, this is the game with the most interesting storyline. Number 6, Tennessee, at number 9, Arizona. The clash of styles in this game. I mean, Arizona plays at one of the highest paces in the country. Tennessee at one of the lowest. This is strength versus strength. Defense versus offense. Number 1 in defensive efficiency versus number 1 in offensive efficiency. I like Arizona. I like Tennessee. I like both of these teams. They've got two National Player of the Year candidates in Tubelis or one National Player of the Year candidate in Tubelis, rather. I really like this kid, man. A versatile big man that can pop out, handle the ball, bring it down low, post up. He has been efficient in playing just 70% of the team's minutes. Offensive rating of 122.7. I like Tubelis. Give me Arizona to pull this one out over Tennessee. I think being at home is going to help them a lot. They're going to drag Tennessee into a bit of a track meet, and I think the Vols are going to get left in the dust. Give me Arizona in that one. So, all the time we have this week, folks, thank you so much for listening to the show. This is the Student Section Podcast, where we talk all things college sports. Always remember, we drop new episodes every single Friday. You can find us on Instagram at studentsectioncfb or online at thestudentsection.net. Subscribe to us over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all your favorite platforms. Don't forget to download and share with your friends. And as always, folks, whether you're on the couch or in the bleachers this weekend, have a blast, enjoy the games, and we'll see you soon. Take care.